0: This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson, bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis.
1: Why is the left making war on the English language? A war against the English language has been going on for years. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that the word doublespeak was first used in 1952 and defines it as a language used to deceive usually through concealment or misrepresentation of the truth. The founder of the international TFP movement, Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira, used the word talismanic to describe words that deceived because their meaning subtly changed over time. An example is the word dialogue, which once meant a simple conversation between two people. Now, it often refers to a largely imaginary debate between those on two sides of an issue. In many American schools, teachers have abandoned teaching grammar and begun labeling it as racist. Edwin Benson describes a California teacher who is doing just that in his essay Radical English Teacher Calls Grammar Racist and Cripples Student Minds.
0: My 12th grade English teacher terrified me, as she did most of my classmates. She was a pleasant person outside of class and very approachable if you asked for help. On the other hand, Not to have prepared for class was an infraction that would be punished severely. She had a knack for asking the precise question that you were not ready to answer. When she did, it was not pleasant. On the other hand, I believe I would not be sitting at this desk composing this article if it had not been for her. In that class, I learned how to compose a five-paragraph essay. It is a skill that has served me well in the almost half-century since I last saw her. These recollections were inspired by an article about Marta Schaefer, an English teacher at Oroville High School in California. Oroville is a small town about 70 miles north of Sacramento. To say the least, the two women were dissimilar. According to the article... This teacher's expectations were about as far from my English teacher's as boiling is from freezing. In a Twitter posting, she spelled out her sentiments in their pseudo-intellectual postmodernist rhetoric. Quote, Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems in our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. In my role as an educator, I try to undermine that, expletive deleted, as much as I possibly can. I teach high school English, and who the white supremacy runs deep. Unquote. She illustrates this by sneering through some of the rules for essay writing. She specifically decries the use of a thesis in the introduction, citing sources of information, and the use of transition words like however and therefore. They're made-up rules, Miss Schaefer posits. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners and power, Miss Schaefer thinks the cure is found in a book called Linguistic Justice by April Baker Bell. A sentence from the Amazon description will serve to illustrate the main point of this tome. To move toward black linguistic liberation, Baker Bell introduces a new way forward through anti-racist black language pedagogy, a pedagogical approach that intentionally and unapologetically centers the linguistic, cultural, racial, intellectual, and self-confidence needs of black students." The author herself uses far less elegant language, Quote, If y'all actually believe that using standard English will dismantle white supremacy, then you are not paying attention. If we, as teachers, truly believe that code switching will dismantle white supremacy, we have a problem, unquote. Then the author indulges in one of the great non-sequiturs in the history of the language, Quote, Eric Garner was choked to death while saying, I cannot breathe. Would you consider I cannot breathe standard English syntax? Unquote. No, Dr. Baker Bell. Standard English did not save Mr. Garner's life. However, it was also not the cause of his death. Those answers lie elsewhere. One of the publishers of Linguistic Justice is the National Council of Teachers of English, NCTE. This professional group purports to be, quote, a leading partner to and professional home for teachers of English and language arts at all levels, unquote. They claim 25,000 members. All languages differ in formulations, but all have basic structures conveying ideas. Take, for example, the simple sentence, I am returning home. In French, one says, Je rentre chez moi. Translated word for word into English, that becomes, I return home my. A German would say, Ich gehe nach Hause zurück, which would become, I go to house returning. The grammar rules arose organically over centuries from those who spoke the languages. The Germans and the French are not wrong because they combine their words differently. Our ancestors left us patterns by which educated people express themselves. To violate the rules is to run the risk of being unable to communicate your ideas because others will not take them seriously. One of the functions of schools is, or at least used to be, to teach patterns of grammar to all students. When done well, every graduate will be highly adept in the art of communication. Until about 1960, the effort was incredibly successful. Among other benefits, the system helped many children and grandchildren of non-English-speaking immigrants to take their places in professions, business, politics, and academia. Many years ago, I had the privilege of attending a presentation that Justice Clarence Thomas made to a small group of history teachers. He told us of his childhood in rural Georgia. He was raised by barely literate grandparents, whose primary language was a dialect called Geechee. Fortunately, the local schools taught him to speak English properly. That education, he explained, was a necessary ingredient of his success. He relates that story in his 2007 memoir, My Grandfather's Son. For Justice Thomas, and millions like him, the rules were his friends. They are trustworthy guides that can help anyone communicate with others. The Marta Schaeffers of the world don't like rules, where some see the ladder to success they claim to see rigidity and oppression. In their fevered brains, they conjure pictures of an ocean of people to whom the rules deny the right to self-expression. Such teachers are products of the modern university system, where radicals teach revolution, even in grammar. In a recent article in Front Page magazine, Jason D. Hill, PhD of DePaul University, levels serious charges against Marta Schaefer and, by extension, those who agree with her. Quote Schaefer is the cognitive equivalent of a Chinese footbinder. The absence of grammar does not result in freedom, it results in an abject stultification of the mind. That is what she wants to afflict on blacks. Black talk which remains among blacks, and where blacks are rendered incomprehensible to a broader public. She knows, with full malice aforethought, I believe, that this will result in a reduction in the perceived intelligence quotient of blacks in the minds of others." So the question remains, is Marta Schaefer a would-be Lenin, or merely one of his useful idiots? Regardless of her intentions, Marta Schaefer is a dangerous woman. If she finishes a typical 30-year high school teaching career, she will be able to share her overheated revolutionary message with around 5,000 students. If even one-tenth of them believe her, she will have handicapped hundreds of students. That is a thought that should give America's parents many sleepless nights, because Marta Schaefer is not the only English teacher who thinks that way.
1: The war against English is not limited to school teachers, it also extends to many so called journalists. Perhaps the nation's greatest clearinghouse for news is the Associated Press. In a normal world, an organization like the AP would demand clear and unchanging grammar rules. After all, they are paid to communicate with the whole nation every day about important issues. One of those issues is the beginning of human life. Unfortunately, the leftists who want to influence women to kill their babies have infiltrated the AP as well. Mr. Michael Haynes discusses the effect of that infiltration in his essay, Associated Press redefining language in its push for abortion.
0: The assault on reason, which undergirds the pro-abortion movement, has taken yet another step toward the absurd. A popular terminology guide for journalists has been altered to promote the abortionist's cause still further. The Associated Press, AP Stylebook, issued new guidelines instructing journalists about how to write about abortion. The AP Stylebook is a go-to resource for journalists in the English-speaking world. The most important aspect that the AP wished to note was posted on its official Twitter page. Taking issue with the term late-term abortion, the AP's Twitter post read, Do not use the term late-term abortion. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists define late term as 41 weeks through 41 weeks and 6 days of gestation, and abortion does not happen in this period. Instead, the AP stated that the term abortion later in pregnancy should be used, adding the caveat that writers should, quote, be aware that there are varying definitions of the time period involved. Be specific when possible. Abortions after XX weeks when XX is known in the context of the specific story. The online style book also warned journalists about using the terms pro life or even pro choice, with the AP instead instructing reporters thus Use the modifiers anti abortion or abortion rights. Don't use pro-life, pro-choice, or pro-abortion unless they are in quotes or proper names. Avoid abortionist, which connotes a person who performs clandestine abortions. Somewhat predictably, pro-lifers offering help to women were also to be redefined under the AP's updated guidelines. The AP took issue with pro-life counseling centers or crisis pregnancy centers, grouping such places under the general description of anti-abortion centers. Almost as a warning to journalists, the AP wrote that such pro-life centers should be written about with a caveat, if using the term anti-abortion center, explain later that these are often known as crisis pregnancy centers with quotation marks, and that their aim is to dissuade people from getting an abortion, unquote. While such pro-life centers offer counseling and assistance to mothers to find another option instead of abortion, the AP stated that journalists should, quote, avoid potentially misleading terms such as pregnancy resource centers or pregnancy counseling centers, these terms don't convey that the Center's general aim is to prevent abortions, unquote. The AP has not skimped on its attention to the transgender movement in the release of its updated guidance to journalists. The recommendation now reflects what is commonly described as more inclusive understandings of women, including, quote, transgender men and some non-binary people in this description. Normal biological terms are not ruled out, however, as the AP wrote that terms such as pregnant women or pregnant girls or women seeking abortions slash girls seeking abortions would be acceptable. However, the AP also included instructions for situations involving abortions performed on minors or, quote, people who have those experiences but do not identify as women, such as some transgender men and some non-binary people, unquote. In these instances, the AP stated that journalists should employ phraseology such as, quote, pregnant people or people seeking abortions, unquote. The new guidelines were widely praised by abortion activists, with the National Abortion Rights Action League, NARAL, writing, Do not use terms that lie about abortion. How's that? Pro-abortion group Progress Michigan highlighted the key importance of language in the abortion debate. Quote, The language we use when talking about abortion matters. Bad actors use a bad language because it makes it easier to spread disinformation. We won a huge victory for abortion rights in Michigan, but we can't stop fighting lies. Unquote. Abortion giant Planned Parenthood also welcomed the AP's new guidance. Quote, When we talk about abortion, especially abortion later in pregnancy, words matter, wrote the abortion provider's South Carolina Twitter account. This is a great step in the right direction. Unquote. Not surprisingly, pro-life activists have reacted firmly to the AP's overt promotion of abortion. Christy Hamrick of Students for Life of America stated, The Associated Press is gaslighting as policy enjoining the pretense that changing definitions changes facts. Hamrick added that the AP was, quote, Putting pro abortion politics over facts to weaponize discourse. Unquote. In additional comments to the Christian Post, Hamrick added that the pro life movement needed to respond in turn by instructing people about the scientific facts relating to abortion. Quote, the pro life movement will need to educate the public, legislators, and the courts on scientific facts as the AP and others pretend that babies in the womb are something different than the rest of humankind with different internal parts, Hamrick stated. Hamrick is by no means wrong in asserting that language is crucial to the abortion debate, and the AP is also well aware of this aspect, as evidenced by its new policy. Indeed, The widespread promotion of abortion relies upon the particular use of language, which divorces people's perception of abortion from its bloody reality. Abortion is the murder of an unborn child. Were every abortion to be described in such straightforward terms, society at large would find it harder to ignore the reality of each abortion. However, By using words such as termination instead of murder, or pro-choice instead of pro-abortion, or more accurately, pro-infanticide, the pro-abortion movement is gradually able to desensitize society. The misuse of language is even more evident when referring to late-term abortions. Even the very phrase late-term is now too precise for the pro-abortion movement since it denotes proximity through the normal completion of the full term of pregnancy. Hence, the move to redefine even this point and simply describe the barbaric late-term abortions as being later than others. Yet a manipulation of language is nothing new. It is the center of every moral issue, as seen in the account of Adam and Eve's original sin in the Garden of Eden. In responding to the serpent's temptation, Eve initially rebuffs his suggestion to eat the forbidden fruit, saying, God hath commanded us that we should not eat, and that we should not touch it, lest perhaps we die. Yet in response, the serpent contradicts this divinely revealed command and statement, saying, No, you shall not die the death. For God doth know that in whatever day soever you shall eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Acceptance of evil relies upon portraying it as something other than it is. Abortion the bloody murder of innocent unborn children is no different. Pro-lifers must be sure to resist the attack on language in order to continue the fight against the murder of the unborn.
1: Unfortunately, the left's drive to confuse language starts in elementary schools. Mr. Edwin Benson describes some of those strategies in his essay. Three academic skills that children must have and schools ignore.
0: Among the many causes of failure of education in America today is the refusal to teach fundamental skills. Modern teaching methods especially target three essential skills, memorization, organization, and objectivity. Of course, These skills build upon the primary foundation of morality that no school can entirely provide. Without morality, education often makes a bad child into a wise demon. Thus, the good child must develop the three mechanical skills to become a clever saint. There is no skill that any child needs more than the ability to remember things. However. None is more demeaned and decried by so-called modern educators. Education once sought to embred basic information that would stay in the child's brain forever. Memorization of multiplication tables is an example of information needed before going further into mathematics. Grammar and punctuation are essential to written communication, and so is handwriting. Recommend memorization to most educators and they will gasp in horror. The whole system teaches them to avoid it because it is not creative. Yes, 7 times 8 equals 56 is not creative. However, students must memorize this fact before moving on to more complex mathematical processes. Subject-verb agreement Spelling and punctuation are not creative, but essential to constructing a sentence. Despite the exceptions and irregularities of the English language, students need phonetic skills to pronounce unfamiliar words. Such memorized skills are best taught in elementary school. The young child's mind is best disposed to these non-creative tasks at early ages when the brain has not yet acquired abstract thinking. They will help children express their creativity as their brains mature. Another essential skill for the developing mind is organization, which is a more creative skill than memorization. Students must organize material according to purpose and established forms. An automobile owner's manual isn't organized like a novel because other forms apply to the reasons people read them. At the same time, organization is not automatic but acquired. Many knowledgeable people are unable to communicate their thoughts. The paradox of the absent-minded professor image comes to mind. For example... The five-paragraph essay was a standard tool for English composition teachers for decades. It gave students a highly effective method of organizing their thoughts as they wrote their first essays. It is also a rather painful process until it is mastered. It prevented the childish mind from spewing out thoughts in random order. Organizing those random thoughts is difficult. As with memorization, most modern educators eschew the five-paragraph essay because it is a strict formula rather than a creative process. They fear that their students will be turned off to writing because it will stunt a child's individuality. They could not be more wrong. Without a formula, writing is continuous agony. That same formula, once mastered, makes writing far more manageable. The final skill is objectivity. The act of looking at reality as perceived without distortion by personal feelings, prejudices, or biased interpretations. This skill is opposed to the more woke practice of advocacy. Educators reject objectivity because they do not understand it. They mistakenly believe that objectivity replaces their progressive values system and threatens the use of advocacy. Objectivity also is opposed to subjectivity, by which individuals develop their own values, identity, and feelings over all others. True objectivity is understanding and explaining an opponent's position without necessarily accepting it. It presupposes a well-formed conscience that guides the child to truth. Without a strong sense of morality, children are often deceived by spurious arguments, especially if promoted by popular sentiment. Why, then, are schools so eager to abandon these essential and time-proven practices? First, modern schools teach students to construct opinions— often with little information. Since the teacher can manipulate the information that the children do possess, the resulting opinions are predictable and always seem to lean leftward. Worse, the children believe these opinions are their own, thus embedding leftist ideologies in their thoughts and attitudes. The educationists refer to this process as critical thinking, although it may have other names. When labeled this way, most parents support these practices. No one explains that the school's use of that term is more related to critical theory, where knowledge becomes a vehicle of Marxist class struggle, than a creative thought process that expands students' horizons. Second, Memorization, organization, and objectivity aren't fun. They involve actual effort and work, which can be tedious. Children resist them for the same reason that they resist washing dishes, cleaning their rooms, or doing their homework. However, all people must complete tasks that are not interesting or immediately rewarded. Such considerations do not render those tasks unnecessary. Third, the educational establishment has spent the last 50 years diminishing the teacher's role as the authority in the classroom. A successful teacher must lead students with an authority that takes to complementary forms. The students need to understand that the teacher knows more about the topic than they do teachers must know how to encourage students to do things they do not want to do. However, any hierarchy is anathema to the leftists who run the schools. These attitudes severely damage the teacher-student relationship, often with the teacher's consent and approval. The result is a chaotic classroom where nobody learns anything. Restoring the role of the teacher is crucial to improving America's schools. Learning to memorize, organize, and be objective is essential for students to grow in knowledge
1: and wisdom. This concludes, why is the left making war on the English language? Thank you for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. We publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. You can hear our program in two ways. The first is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. Listeners can help Return to Order be more effective by giving us a five-star rating with their favorite podcast service. Subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be able to find the Return to Order moment online. We would also like to recommend Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order. It is available as a free download on our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2023 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.